First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so a couple of weeks ago, we went through the very understanding and idea that God wants not the seminary degreed people to be able to have an answer, not the pastors to be able to have an answer, but every saved person to be able to be able to give an answer why they believe the way they do. And many people become overwhelmed by this and think that they need to have had some degree to be able to give an answer. And I promise you this, there are many people who have degrees today who are not ready to give an answer for the reason for their faith. Many seminary degreed men and women who do not know how to give an answer for their faith because they don't have one either. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ today as your Savior, I want you to know you can give an answer for your faith. Because it is God who has given you that faith. And it is God who has worked in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God is the one who's done a great work in you. And we often talk, what we're going to talk about today and, and preach on today is the understanding that every saved person has a testimony. You have a testimony. In other words, you have something that you can testify of, of what God has done for you. You have something that you can testify of that God has done for you. And by this, you can give the reason why you have faith. In fact, the reason you have faith is what you are able to testify. This is something that is spoken of in many places throughout Scripture as you look through the life of David, Daniel, and uh, and many others in the Old Testament. You see they have the work of God that they've done in their life that gives them complete confidence in their salvation and that they want others to know it as well. We live in an age where people need to know the Gospel and how to go to heaven. And if you have trusted the gospel, you know the gospel. And you were brought to a place where you believe the gospel. And the Lord does a great work to lead us to a place where we believe the gospel. And there are people who believe the gospel when they're young, five, six years old. Others who believe when they're in their teenage years or 20s or 30s. 40s, 50s, 60s. I've told you before that I've, I was I was able to be part of seeing one lady who was 103 believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And each one of us who know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we have a story to tell. It may not be 30 minutes or 45 minutes long. It may be in just a few sentences and paragraphs. To be able to testify that God is real and He does save. And oh, if we had confidence in the very testimony that God has given us, 
we'd probably ask God a whole lot more to be able to have the chance to tell people about it. To tell people about what God has done. It's not a good thing when a Christian has not been able to declare what God has done for them in saving their soul for months and years on end. It's not a good thing. Because there are billions of people who need to hear the testimony of God's people so that they might be saved. If there were billions of people who were on their way to heaven today and just a few dozen that didn't need to know, then we wouldn't need billions of people to give the gospel and to tell the story that God has wrought in their life very often. But there are not many Christians, not dozens, but it's probably in the millions or tens of millions, maybe a hundred million, but not many compared to the billions of people who don't know Christ. And if we were to look at our own community today, do you think there's more people who have a clear and understandable testimony that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and they believed it with all their heart? You know, when a a man tells their mom, I'd like the Bible, I'd like to start learning the Bible, there's a man who's come to know the Lord. Sue gave part of her testimony today. Just a snippet. But in 2000, she came to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. These are words that we ought to love to speak. And we ought to long To be able to speak, not to the air, but to people. And it's something that Paul the Apostle said often, so much so that God gave two times in the book of Acts where he gives his testimony in speaking to people so that they might get saved. And so turn over there to the book of Acts. Now in the book of Acts, we find... The salvation of the Apostle Paul. Now, just like anybody, each and every one of us need to be saved and Paul needed to be saved. Paul needed to trust that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins. He was a man who was, if if we were to talk about morals, if we were to talk about righteousness, this was a man who was the cream of the crop. We're talking about the person who is straight-laced. The person, when it comes to recognizable sin, you wouldn't be able to lay things to his account. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, which means he kept all the rules. But he needed to be saved. And, And the actual accounting of this salvation is in Acts chapter 9. And so, this book of Acts, which gives the the accounting of the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the first 30 or so years of the church, God decided to spend the first episode in chapter 9 of giving the accounting of Paul's conversion and how he turned to Christ. And then God decided to use it two more times. Now, why would God do that? Why waste the space? 
Well, part of the reason I believe is because not only the testimony of Paul is powerful in the mouth of a man or a woman who's willing to speak it, but it's something that we can speak often. That we can talk to people about a lot. And you will find many times when people start asking you questions about the Lord, you will begin to say things like this. Well, this is what happened to me. This is what I was before I was saved. This is what happened when I got saved. This is what God has done for me since I've been saved. And these elements are, are just an amazing testimony of what God is capable of in our lives. And it is powerful and it is unreproachable to the lives of people. You see, we can try to get into why the Bible is true. We're going to talk about that next week. The Bible is true. It is 100% trustworthy. And you can begin to speak to people about that in ways and in educated ways and in the best ways you can. But people are going to try to find a way to poke holes in that and say, well, you said this and that's not really true. And by the way, Christian, when you begin to start telling people about Jesus, you're going to say things that aren't really true, that aren't really part of the context, that really don't make sense to what the scripture is being said. Not because you're trying to be dishonest, but because you want to tell people about Jesus and you want to, you want them to trust the Scripture. Sometimes they're going to say you're a fool. By the way, God can use fools and does use fools to confound the wise. But there's going to be, there's going to be, there's going to be opportunities for unbelievers to give reproach, not to God, but to you. Why is that? Raise your hand if you're God. Right? People are going to be able to find reproach because you're you. You're a human being. Your mind is not infinite but finite. Right? But you know what is unreproachable? What God has done for you. Right? The only thing they can say is, well, I just don't believe God did that for you. But they can't say it's not true, right? Because it happened to you, right? The only thing that they can say you're a liar, but just calling you a liar doesn't make you one. And so the Lord decided to use that much space to go through Paul's explanation of what God did in his life. And so if you look there in Acts chapter 22, we're going to go quickly through these things. Because I want you to know the point is this. You can use your mouth to have an influence in unbelievers, not because you have a ton of education in the Scripture, um, not because you went to seminary degree and you filled out all the blanks when it came to learning all the doctrines of the Scripture, but God has done something in your life. And He has. If you're saved today, God has done something in your life. In Acts chapter 21, verse 37, 
And as Paul was led up into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, May I speak to thee? Who, who, can, who said, Canst thou speak Greek? Are thou not that Egyptian which before these days made us an uproar and led us out in the wilderness four thousand men that were murderers? But Paul said, No, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with them the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear you my defense which I make now unto you. He is giving an answer. He is fulfilling what Peter said to always be ready to give an answer. How is he going to do it? The Scripture says, And when they heard it, and he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born of Tarsus, in the city of Cilicia, yet brought up in this city in the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and zealous towards God. He's talking about what he's been since he was a kid. I was zealous towards God. And then he says, As you all are this day. And I persecuted this way, that's the way of Christianity, the way of Christ, unto the death, binding and delivering unto prisons both men and women. Who am I? I am a man who took Christians, I bound them up, I tortured them, I tried to get them to recant their faith, and I even, even some of them died. That's who I am. Verse 5, And also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom I also received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound, uh, bring them there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. He said, I was going to Syria, that's where Damascus is. I was going to leave Israel, I was going to go into Syria, go to Damascus. I was going to take folks from there that were Christians, I was going to haul them back to Jerusalem and punish them. That's what I was doing. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone a great light from heaven round about me, and I fell on the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And so Jesus is speaking to, to Saul, who had become Paul, and, and, and Saul says, Who are you? And Jesus says, I am Jesus. You, you're the one who's persecuting me. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Rise, go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all the things that are appointed unto thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of the light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldst know his will, and see the just one, and shouldst hear the voice of his mouth. He's saying, uh, uh, Ananias is saying, Paul, God has chosen you to see him and to be his mouthpiece. 
For thou shalt be a witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. And so Paul goes through this, and at the end, he calls upon the name of the Lord. You know what happened when he called upon the name of the Lord? He got saved. The Bible tells us that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here is a man who persecuted Christians, who killed Christians, and now he's calling upon the one he's persecuting. He's calling upon the Lord, right? Did Paul get saved? He sure did, right? And I saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee out quickly of Jerusalem, for they will not receive the testimony concerning thee. And I said, Lord, they know that I am in prison. Uh, I am prison and beat every synagogue, uh, them in every synagogue, them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I was also standing by and consenting unto his death. He's talking about a previous passage in Acts chapter 7 where, where Stephen had stood up and preached the gospel. And all kinds of people got so mad that they picked up stones and killed them with those stones. And Paul collected the clothes of all the people that were so mad that they ripped their clothes off and threw stones. And Paul was the one who consented, gave permission to Stephen's death. Verse 21, they said to me, Depart, and I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience under the word, and he, then he lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow. And so here he is telling what Jesus did for him. Right? What Jesus did for him. And he does it again. Now, now in this passage, he's talking to thousands of people in these Grecian people. In chapter 24, he is talking to someone, uh, he's talking to far less people, but he's using it the same in verse 20, uh, chapter 26. And he goes through the same thing. And he goes through all the, he goes through all the things that he was, and then he goes through how he came to know the Lord in the same way. And then in verse 19, I want you to pick up there. It says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I believed, I trusted Christ, I got saved. And sure, showed first unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout of the coast of Judea and to the Gentiles and they, that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. And so, did Paul's life change? <laughs> did he continue believing that he was right with God because he kept all the law? No. He believed he was right with God because Jesus died on the cross for his sin. Did he continue persecuting Christians? No, he became one and converted millions to Christianity, or at least thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands. For these causes, the Jews caught me into the temple and went about to kill me. Did it? Was there a consequence for his conversion? They tried to kill him. He's in jail now talking to a guy. Having there, or, or, uh, therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets of Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be first, uh, that 
uh, he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And so he's telling about how Jesus died and rose again, which is the gospel. And he thus spake for himself. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning to make thee mad. It's amazing that he's telling his story and Festus says he's crazy for telling it. Why is he saying he's crazy? It's not because the story's crazy. It's because anybody who would open their mouth and declare that Jesus is God who died on the cross for sin to a man like Agrippa is crazy because what could Agrippa do? Agrippa could kill him. But did Paul tell him what God did for him anyway? Yeah. Notice what happened. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things before whom I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For these things have not been done in a corner. Right? By the way, is Christianity a secret thing? Is Christianity a secret society? Is Christianity something that we keep to ourselves? No, we do these things in the open. How do we do them in the open? We speak what God's done for us. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know you believe. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except for these bonds. What's he saying? Number one, he's recognizing that Agrippa has just as much... That Agrippa is not the only one that needs to know Christ. Right? He's not saying, oh, Agrippa, you're the one who needs to know Jesus. All these other folks, they don't need to know. Right? He's saying, listen, Agrippa, I wish you would get saved. But more than that, I wish everybody that would hear me were just as I am saved. I just don't want them to be in prison like I am. Right? These are the words that Paul said. And you might say, well, I don't have that kind of testimony. <laughs> Here's the amazing thing. God is doing amazing things in, in and through you and for you. You no doubt about it. There are folks who say, I don't have a testimony. I got saved when I was five. Now, my testimony is I got saved when I was 19. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I did have parents who taught me right from wrong. I disobeyed them when I grew into high school and I I began to drink heavily. I began to swear heavily. I began to get angry and and mad at my mom especially. I told the little kids yesterday that I I at one point even took my mom and threw up against the refrigerator. I was so angry at her. If you can imagine doing that to your own mom, I did that. Now after I did that, I ran out of the house very fast. Because I know my mom. But uh, I was I was just a, a, a man who, who did not know Christ. But men were willing to share their testimony of how they came to know the Lord with me in college. I must have heard how people came to know the Christ, how they came to know the Lord two dozen times. At least by different people. And and it didn't happen my freshman year, but my sophomore year, I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. I asked Him to be the Lord of my life, and I wanted to follow Him 
and go the way that he wanted me to go. I didn't want to go my way anymore. It was miserable. I wanted to go the way he wanted me to go. And I want you to know, he has taken my life and has changed it. And best of all, I'm going to heaven when I die. And that's the case for many in this room. You know, the interesting thing is, is Paul, who got saved later in life, but he was a pretty good guy. You know, many people get saved when they're young in church. Maybe my wife got saved when she was five years old. Um, her testimony is that, boy, when I was a teenager, I drank a lot, I swore a lot, I did this, I did that. But there's one thing that, that is most assuredly true. If she did not get saved, her life would be far different than it is now, isn't it? Isn't that true? Yeah. It'd be far different than it is now. And my wife has a testimony. She got saved in five. She has something that she can say. And you have something you can say. If you're saved. It doesn't make sense to say anything about being saved. And giving how you came to know the Lord. Unless you yourself have come to know the Lord. That you yourself have called upon the Lord like Paul did. I don't remember the exact date. It was sometime in October of 1999. But I remember calling upon the Lord in my dorm room at college. That was the day I got saved. When people say, oh, I've been a Christian since I was, I was born. That's a lie. No person is a Christian when they were born. You trust Christ and you call upon Him at some point in your life. Meaning that you must have, you have to understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead and you call upon Him at some point in your life. For me, I was 19. My wife was five. My children have been young. Others were, were much later, maybe in their 30s or 40s or 50s. There's no time that it is too late to call upon the name of the Lord unless you're dead. At which point, it is too late. Because the Scripture said it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment, meaning right after that, you're judged. And you want to be judged not based upon your merits, on how good you've been. You don't want to go before God and say, God, let me tell you my story. I was better than the other guy. You want to be able to go before God and say, God, let me tell you my story. I remember what I was like before I knew you. And then I remember when you came and you told me how I could be saved. You know, Paul had Jesus tell him how to be saved, right? Did you know if you're saved today, Jesus told you how to be saved? You say, no, somebody, some person did that. No, it was Jesus through that person. Jesus told you how to be saved. And you want to go before God and say, I remember when you saved me and what you did in my life. And now I'm here and I'm ready for heaven. And he's going to say, yes, you are. Because I saved you. But if you refuse to believe on Christ, the very opposite will happen. You will be judged. And God will say, depart from me. This is the warning. But it doesn't have to be so. If you believe with all your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, 
that the God of all creation died on the cross for your sin and then He was buried and rose again the third day because He's the God of all creation and cannot stay buried. And you call upon that God who can hear you and will hear you. He promises to save you. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why wait till tomorrow? If you're not saved, why not be saved today? Now when I was saved, here's what happened. There was a little booklet I I had. And it had a little prayer. And I prayed the very thing that was written on that page. But I wasn't just repeating words to a book. I was praying to God. And He heard me. Even though I was just reading words off a page, He heard me. And so you may be here today and say, I don't have that little booklet, but I'd like to pray with you in the very same way that little booklet helped me. (laughs) And so I'm going to say words, and if you would call upon the Lord today, I want you not to say them to me, but I want you to say them to God. How do you do that? From your heart. God can hear the meditation of your heart to Him. If you believe with all your heart that He died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead and you want Him to be your Savior, you can ask Him right now by praying this and believing with all your heart. Now the words mean nothing without belief. (laughs) They're not magic words. This is a prayer. But if you would, pray it with me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. In the quietness of the moment... I'm going to pray that same type of prayer that I prayed when I was 19. Just reading those words off the page, but they were right to God. Would you say these words to God as I say them? If you believe and you're not saved, would you say them? Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I have done things that are wrong that I never should have done. I've said things I never should have said. I've thought things that I've never should have thought. Some of these things are rolling around in my mind right now. I know I'm a sinner. But I know, Lord Jesus, with all my heart, I know that You died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. You took the judgment that I deserve. You died for me. I believe this. And I believe that you rose from the dead. Because you're God. I believe you rose from the dead and so you can hear me right now. I believe this. And this morning, Lord Jesus... I am asking you to be my Savior. I am asking you to save me from my sin and give me a home in heaven. And I'm asking you to change my life while I'm here on this wor- in this world. Give me a home in heaven and change my life as I'm in this world. In the quietness of the moment, if you have prayed that prayer, 
I'd like you to do something. Number one, I want you to give thanks. I want you to thank God. I want you to just thank Him. He's going to hear you. Thank Him. Because He just saved you. He just gave you a home in heaven. He just... He just came and lived inside you. He's going to help you in your life. He is going to start to transform you. In little ways at first it may seem. But He's going to help you. He's going to help you to want to read the Bible and learn it. You're going to find that you're going to want to go to church to learn more about what the Bible says. You're going to learn that you're going to want to talk to other Christians about their life with Christ. You're going to find out some of the sins that you have been committing. You don't commit as often as you used to. You're going to find that Jesus is going to start changing your life. You're going to start to find that when things are hard, you turn to Him in prayer and you ask Him for help. And you're going to find out that even though sometimes things are hard, He'll help you. And you're going to have a hope and absolute confidence that when the time comes, you're going to go to heaven. In the quietness of the moment, I don't want to embarrass you. But if that's you today, you say, I asked Jesus to save me this morning. Would you look me in the eyes and let me know? I want to pray for you. Just look me right in the eyes. Amen. Amen. Anybody else this morning? Say, I asked, I prayed that. I asked Him to be my Savior. Take one more look around. Anybody else? Christian, your testimony is powerful. It is your answer. And nobody can say it didn't happen. Because it did. Use it. And ask God to give you opportunity to speak these things to people. And He'll open doors for you. Father, I pray and ask that You'd please, please help us. Help us to be Your mouthpieces to others so that they might know how to be saved. How they might know how wonderful You are. Please. Father, I pray for these that have trusted Christ this morning. Help them in these next steps. Watch over them and attend unto them. And give them wisdom that they never thought they'd have. Please, Father, do these things. We pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.